0: The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Well, man, I I guess I just want to start off by saying, truly and honestly, it really is a privilege, Isaac. Thank you so much. Like When he asked me to preach, it was kind of like... uh, I mean, I think there's a better qualified guy next door, you know, Um, and so I really just felt the honor, and so I just want to honor you in this moment, just say, thank you so much, bro, Um, and I just love being able to walk and follow Jesus and follow Christ and really get to know who Christ is and through his love in this moment, and so um, I do remember the first time that I met Isaac, and I'm about to tell you guys a story. Come on, come on, so I, okay. Okay, I'll be honest. We didn't actually meet until he did come on staff, but I knew him because I love soccer. Anyone else in here? Yeah. Yeah, come on. And my senior year at Evangel University, Evangel University finally got a soccer team. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was so excited. And so I committed to myself that I would go to every single home game, Not because, like, I follow players or anything, but just because I love the sport. I love the game. I love watching it. And so I remember going into the stands, watching that first game, and seeing this guy who was playing center back. Um, And this guy who, I don't know if you guys knew this, but your pastor is a soccer player. So, yeah. So he played center back. And I remember seeing him home game after home game after home game, dominating this one position. And I don't know if you know soccer. But the center back is the person who kind of is your, like, your last line of defense before the person kind of comes with the ball to kick in the goalie. And they're also in charge of communicating information to the right side, to the left side, kind of delegating those sort of responsibilities. So a like, very important person is the center back. And so if you want to know more about Isaac's wonderful career and success as a soccer player, well, I'm here to tell you that Evangel lost all their games that first year. Come on. <laughs> So if you want to know more about that, be sure to bug them about it. So, mm. But anyways, we can go ahead and get started. A um, little bit about myself. I, ooh, what, what is new in my life? Let's see, I just graduated from MSU, uh, the master's program there. So I went through Evangel, graduated, and then the Lord kind of called me to pursue my master's. So I just finished my two years there. It's uh, been such a great experience, um, but I'm going to go ahead and put a plug now for Chi Alpha, and I'm wearing the shirt, because I'm actually do- going to be doing an internship with MSU uh, with their Chi Alpha for the next, you know, that's really where I feel the Lord has kind of called me. And so if you're, I know a lot of you here are graduating, you're about to go into your senior year, I would just say, man, if you enter end up finding yourself at like a state university or someplace, find out if there's a Chi Alpha group, um, man, because they will challenge you and you will grow more than you can imagine uh, in that sort of group. And so that's a little bit about me. I hope you get to know me more through the course of this. And you will, the first thing you will realize is that I am kind of awkward and that's okay. Who here is awkward? All right, let's embrace it. Awkwardness unite. So I'm going to just get my Bible open to the, our passage for tonight. Um, and so when Isaac kind of approached me and he asked me, hey, we're in this series, and it's called Nominal Christianity, I was like, what does nominal mean? What is it Like, how do we define that? And so in contemplating that and in conversation with, with Isaac, I just want to wanna set like a little bit of a stage for tonight, a little bit of what we're going to be talking about before we just dive straight in. And it's, it's to realize that when we talk about nominal, and as you guys know, you know, someone who may not be very like active in their faith—they're just participating. You know, someone who's kind of passive in it. But the purpose of this series is not to find or expose who in here is a true Christian or who might be a nominal Christian. That's not the point. That's not our heart. That's not Pastor Isaac's heart. But really, I think—and when I put it in my own words, um, which echoes Pastor Isaac's words too. Um, The point of this series is for us to really look inward and to see where we are. And then for us, through the teaching of the word, to see and through experience to see where Jesus is. And at the end of the day, it's the hope that we could come to these altars, that we could come to a place where we would say, Jesus, I just want to be where you are. And that we'd see a new fire ignited in our hearts, to pursue Christ, to pursue Jesus, with no exception. That doesn't matter if you find yourself on whatever scale of, you know, that nominal, the whatever, that's not the point. The point is just to see where Jesus is, to run after him, to pursue him. So we're going to do that tonight. We're going to pursue Jesus. Is that okay? Is that all right? All right, boom, let's get into it. So we are going to read all of Second John, and I have it on the screen. So you can either turn there or you can follow along. And we're going to go through this, and then we'll dissect it. So Second John verse one, reads, "The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace will be with us, for God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father' Son, in truth and love." Verse 4 reads, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we have commanded, been commanded by the Father. Moving on to our verses for tonight. Ooh, on own side, there you go. Um, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I was writing to you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. I'll say that one more time, that we love one another. One another. And this is love, that we walk according to the commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Continues on, and it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, and those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teachings has both the Father and the Son. Okay, pause real quick. Um, So when Isaac told me which, like, verses I'd be covering, and then I, like, I read the whole thing, I kind of rejoiced, because it's a lot easier to, I think, to preach over, like, God's love and stuff, right? Versus, like, oh, I got this. Antichrist, deceiver, <laughs> and stuff. So good luck on that next week. There you go. room. Look forward to that, guys. It's going to be awesome. I promise you. Okay, back in. So it goes to verse 10. It says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you, talk to you face to face. Hey, that's what we're doing. Um, so that our joy may be complete. Verse 13, the final one says, the children of your elect sister greet you. So just to um, recap real quick, last week you guys talked about verse 4. And kind of Isaac's main point uh, that week was to realize that as we walk and as we journey, that there should be excitement and overcome with joy at the prospect of seeing other people come to know Jesus. And that we should have that same passion and that same willingness to be a part of that journey in people's lives. And so um, it's with that we're going to really build upon what you guys talked about last week, if that's okay. And some people, when they speak, they kind of like to, oh, surprise, ending that you didn't see happening. I'm going to give you the ending right away. Because I want, you, I want this, this tonight, this message to be as clear as it possibly can. And so, essentially, what I'm going to talk about tonight is two things. So I'm going to go ahead and put that on. Um, that really, what I think John is talking about, verses five through six, he's talking about love, but he's talking about two sides of what I'm going to call, what I'm going to say, is authentic love. What's the difference? And explore tonight. So the two sides of authentic love, just going to give you my conclusions, is that there is internal love. And what this is, is it's our knowledge and it's our experience of Christ's love. It's, it's when we walk with Jesus, it's that which we have that knowledge of that's in our brain, you know, and we come to a worship service and we're, we're worshiping God and we feel Jesus. And that's so important part of us. Well, that's a very important part of understanding God's love. It's not the only part. And so the second thing we're going to talk about tonight is this thing called external love. And the way I've defined that is that it's Christ's love, it's in us, that working through us, in action for other people. You guys tracking with that? That kind of makes sense. So, give you guys a second in case you want to write that down. So, yeah, internal love, not... External love. We're going to unpack that, dive into that, see how 2 John deals with this. What is he talking about um, and what's going on? So let's dive in. Going to go straight into the word um, and read this first part. It says, And now I ask you, dear lady, boom, stop. We're going to pause here. Two seconds. We're like two words in, and we're already going to stop. So um, as Isaac kind of already explained to you, I think, in your first week, there's a lot of different kind of interpretations when it comes to, hey, who's this lady? Who's this person? Uh, One of the major interpretations is that, you know what? It's just a lady. You know, she's probably part of a church, part of a congregation. She's pretty influential. And you know what? John sees this as someone who he can write to to encourage the congregation that she's probably a part of. Uh, the second interpretation is that it's symbolic. It's referring to the church at large. When it says, dear lady, it's really talking about a congregation or it's talking about a church. Now, I bet you're wondering, oh, I wonder if he agrees with Isaac or not. Well, I'm not even going to say I'm just going to put that out there. You guys can make your own decisions. Because at the end of the day, for this context, this specific place, I don't really think it matters. Um, but the thing that I want to hone in on is this idea of the ask. I love it. I love that John is like, now I ask you, because when you ask something of somebody, it requires action if they receive it. Does that make sense? Like, someone asks you to do something, it's not like, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and then you sit there. It's like, no, you respond. You act. There's this, like, component of which, if you're going to be in a relationship, you're going to ask. So we're going to unpack that. What is John asking her, asking this lady (coughs) to do? Um... So let's go on. Let's keep reading. It says, Not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning. I love this because John is kind of saying, he's kind of like preempting the ask. And he's saying, oh, wait, just so you know, I'm not making this up. Like, this is legit stuff. That's kind of what he's doing. He's saying, we have had this from the beginning. He says that this is essential in the core message, really, that you've had. And I love it because I think John goes all the way back to the Old Testament and he's trying to bring this back in and he goes all the way back and he says you know what man this is just something that is a part of who God is what I'm about to tell you that is and it's something that we've had from the beginning so John really here is really wanting to to send this message home and so he's like man I could just tell him you know oh just love which we know the story so it's going there um but he's trying to preempt it of saying, so we're going to explore that. What is he referring to? And so the, here's the ask. He says, I'll read it like this. He says, now, dear lady, I ask you that we love one another. Let's unpack that. What does it mean to love one another? I think one of the most powerful ways that we kind of come to understand Scripture is by looking at it in context. We look at Scripture in the context of the book, like 2 John, but then we also look at it in the context of the larger Scripture. And so for tonight, there's another text I'd like to bring in to you guys, and we're going to be taking a look at Luke 10. So I have it on the screen, um, but we're going to look... And jump over to Luke 10. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can keep a finger in Luke and in John. We're going to kind of go back and forth. Because I think it's important to understand when he talks about a commandment, when he talks about something being established as like this like relationship component between man and between God and, and humans, um, we have to understand what that means. And I think we get an extremely clear picture of what love means in Luke 10. And I'm Some of you will know this story, and you'll know kind of where this is going. But for others of you, maybe this might be the first time you read it. And so it says, Jesus is talking, and it says that, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. In the Jewish culture, what's a lawyer? A lawyer is someone who would be so well-versed in Scripture that it would be his job to, like, if you weren't sure if you were sinning or if you were doing something, or what was the right animals to bring to the sacrifice, man, you'd go to the lawyer. Because a lawyer would know the laws of God, and he would be able to tell you all the commandments that you needed to follow and how you needed to follow them. And so here's a man who like, knows scripture. Like, this is like your, was it, Bible quiz champion. Anyone in here Bible quiz champion? Yeah, okay, I see one. Come on. Yeah, you know. Um, and it says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, I love this. Jesus just is like, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He like turns it back on him and he says, I'm not going to answer this. I'm going to make you answer it. And so the lawyer responds and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Stop. Boom. When we talk about internal love, here it is. Loving God with all of our soul, with all of our might, with all of our strength and our mind. I love that. It's it's such a holistic picture of just being able to love God. And the lawyer gets it right. We kind of know the end of the story. The lawyer gets it right. But he goes on and he continues and he says, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus responds, and he says, you have answered correctly. I love this. And he says, do this, and you'll live. He just kind of ends it right there. Just didn't really give him an answer. And we'll get back to the story. We'll, we'll see how Jesus kind of responds. But I think the point um, <clears throat> that I kind of want to iterate here is that's what eternal lo- ex- internal love is. And so when John, in Second John, when he's talking about, hey, follow the commandment, he's talking about this internal component. But my, my fear is, and, and kind of what I want to talk about and kind of bring to our attention, is the second part that oftentimes we forget about. or sometimes get sidelined. It's this loving your neighbor as yourself. So let's keep going. We're just going to dive back into 2 John. We're going to go to verse 6 now, and we're going to talk about external love. What is that? What does John say about external love? About loving your neighbor, as we just discussed. And he says, and this is love. Love it, just straight out. He says, this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So, interesting verse, because I think uh, think you guys might have talked about this a little bit last week, but you have this interesting word, and I kind of bolded it for you, and it's walk. And if you're like me, And you read this, or you're reading it right now for the first time, the major question that sticks into my mind is, what does walk mean? Like, I understand what this kind of motion is, and like, I kind of do that when I work out, um, sometimes, and uh, you know, yeah, Isaac did it when he was on the soccer team, and uh, (laughs) um, but you kind of want to understand, what does that mean, and what does walking have to do with Love. What does that have to do with, with knowing and understanding who God is? And why is that important? Why should we do it? And what I really think that John is saying, if I had to kind of define this out for us, is I think what John is saying is that we are really good. We are really good at focusing on the first part of what we just read in Luke. That loving the Lord with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. That really becomes a really a good focus point, I think, of a lot of our walks with God. And we're really good at focusing on that. And sometimes we, just, we forget about that second part, which is just as important. I think it's so easy to say, man, oh, boom, it's all about love. It's like, man, I come to this worship service, and man, you know what? I'm spreading out, my hands are up in the air, and it's like, I'm ready for this. Or it's like we wait and we, for the youth camp, and are like, oh, that's my time, where I'm just going to find and know God's love. But my question to you and what we're going to talk about is, is that... Everything? Is that what it's all about? Is that the totality? Is that the total, the sum of our walk with Jesus? Um, I think John, honestly, is ushering us a warning at this point. And I think what he's saying is that if our entire journey with God becomes so consumed with only ever trying to attain or to experience or to know or to feel God... Which those things are awesome. But if we could be consumed with that, and that's only our experience with God, then in all honesty, I don't think we'll ever really come to understand what the authentic love of God is. Because it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than how we kind of like to limit it, I think. And I would say that even if we were to attain or to fully understand that internal love of God... It would always be incomplete because it would only really be half of who God is. Because, yes, that's central to it, but, man, there's so much more. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about the external love. And so, really, I, when I define walking in love, I think that walking in love means putting that internal love into action. Putting it into action for other people. That is so central so important to understanding God and his heart and his love for other people. It's like, you have to get this tonight. If there's anything I could, I could say or emphasize, it would be, you have to get this. But let me put it this way. I, I kind of want to tease out the word walking a little bit more. What does that mean? It means that when we live, when we talk, when we work, when we study, when we draw, any drawers in here? Art, yeah, come on, yeah, that's me, come on, okay. Um, when we art, <laughs> when we art, yeah, when we art. Um, when we dance, dancers, come on. Okay, yeah, I, uh, okay, one, yeah, yeah, there you go. I see, I see that hand, come on. Um, when we laugh. Yeah, yeah, you, you laugh, laugh, there you go. <laughs> when we laugh, when we game, any gamers in here? Yeah, okay, come on, come on. Man, way to go, participation points. You guys get it. Here we go. But catch this too. Listen to this part. When we cry, when we mourn, when we're put in situations of having to counsel people, and when we are just in a state of weeping, we're to do all these things in love. You might be asking yourself how can I do that in love? I mean, I I know how I can love, you know, dancing, or I can love painting, or I can love playing a game, but how do I love crying? How do I love in the midst of of sadness? And so, I kind of want to put it this way and say the authentic love is deeper than our emotions. Meaning that authentic love of God cannot be dependent just on, in a moment, how we feel. Because if, if authentic love, if understanding God's love, if, if you think God only loves you if you feel like he's happy with you or if you're experiencing him, then man, that's not, that's not the full picture because God loves us no matter what in all circumstances, through all times. And the reason why I say deeper is because I don't want you to be confused because emotions are awesome. Don't let anyone ever tell you that having emotions are bad. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Authentic love, yes, our emotions are part of it, but it's so much deeper. It it becomes something of our essence, of who we are when we truly, truly understand what it means to love authentically. So let's, let's look at this. Authentic love, here it is, is both internal and it's external. That's like a complete picture, and that's what... What Jesus is saying when he affirms what the guy says in Luke 10. He's saying that, yes, you got it. It's all about loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and loving other people. Boom. That's it. That's authentic love. That's what God does for us. We're going to talk about that. I have a a story for you guys. And it means that truly through all circumstances, through all emotions, and all through seasons of life, we find ourselves in this ability to love other people. We find ourselves in this ability to still call and worship God, to still trust him, to raise our hands, to come before him in moments where we say, God, you're worth it. Even when I don't feel it, I love you. Even when I don't want to, Jesus, I love you. Hey, your friend next door who stole your, I don't know, stole something from you, I love you in the midst of that. Please give it back to me. But (laughs) if you don't, it's okay. I still love you. Does that make sense? Is that kind of, are you guys kind of track with me? Okay. Because the opposite of that is that inauthentic love only prioritizes one over the other. If you're only ever in one spot, if you only ever stay in one of these areas, then you're missing out. I think that we are, we are cheaping, cheapening our experience with God if we only stay in one of these areas. But God wants to mature us and grow us, that we would, we would come to grow to understand both of these areas. Truly and honestly, and I'll kind of explain this with a little bit of a testimony of my, my story. So I first encountered the Spirit of God when I first like, had God like, encountered in my life. It was probably when I was actually like nine years old. I was sitting on a couch in my home, and I was listening to this super old Christian artist. And for those in the room that will know, I guess I'll say it. Stephen Chris Chapman. Anyone? Come on. Speechless album, number one. Diving deep. I'm diving deep. I'm going deep. In. Okay. Hand raised. Yes, I see that. Way to go. So anyway, so I was listening to that album. And I was like, man this is super lame, but that's okay, and so I had it playing in the background, I was just laying on the couch, and I was bored out of my mind, Um, but then I just started realizing, like, man, you know what? I just kind of want to worship God, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just began tuning out the music, and I just began saying over and over, man, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I love you, and all of a sudden, I just began weeping, and crying. And as a nine-year-old, I didn't know what what was happening. I was like, I thought you only cried when you were sad, but I'm not sad. I didn't even know what the Holy Spirit or who the Holy Spirit was. And yet, I knew from that moment that God had touched me. I later obviously learned, but um, I knew that God had touched me. And from that moment, in my heart of hearts, that internal love connection with the Lord, I said, I am all in no matter what. I'm all in. And maybe some of you have had that experience too. Maybe some of you haven't. Fast forward, like 10 years or so, and it's, eh, probably more than that. No, hey, it was 10 years. Yeah, fast forward to my senior year of college. No, senior year. Wow, that, I would have been really smart if that happened. My senior year of high school. And I hated people. <laughs> I worked a job, like, okay, legit, here we go, story time. I worked a job, a frozen yogurt job, and I would go to work in the mornings praying, God, please let me work in the back so I don't have to see anyone or deal with customers. (laughs) Because anyone worked a job where it's like you're dealing with customers and it's just like, uh, like, I spilled something over there, can you pick it up? And I was like, "Uh, there's a napkin right there. You know, I just didn't want to deal with that. I just was annoyed. I was just like, I just didn't have a heart or love inside of me for other people. But I would go to church. I'd I'd go and have these awesome encounters with Jesus where I would just be worshiping and raising my hands and just wanting to know him. But I'd go to my work and, man, I just I hated it. But, you know, the Lord started doing a work and a change in my life. And I remember it happened. We had a see you at the pole day. And we all gathered and we began praying just for the school. And it's like I was, again, having that moment, that internal moment of just connecting with Jesus so, so vividly. And I remember having this vision. I remembered being at the flagpole and just seeing all the students of the school spread out across the thing. And just them all praising and worshiping God. And something in me clicked. Something in me changed in that moment. And I would find myself going back to work and praying, God, please let me be on register today so that I can engage with people, so I can talk to them. I don't care if they make my life ten times hard or whatever. I just want them to know you. I want to know the love that you have given me. I want to give it away. Something radically changed my life where I began to understand, and I'm still trying to understand, this external love of God, this this desire for other people to come to know Jesus Christ. That event that we had at the flagpole was so powerful that me and a group of people began every single, for the rest of the semester, every single morning, 6 a.m., we would arrive at school and we just begin praying for our school at the flagpole. I don't know why we did it. It was really dumb. Like I was really tired all the time. But like it, there was something in us that we just felt like we had to do it. And I'll be super honest with you, and you'll experience this in your life, we saw no fruit of it. We went through that entire year, prayed every day, and at the end of it, we were like, oh, I wonder why we did that. But it felt good. It felt right. It felt like we were really engaging, doing something. Um, fast forward a little bit more, two years into my college experience uh, at Evangel. I came back to work at that same yogurt shop. Back um, where I'm from and I remember just serving customers again, man, I was just at the cast register loving it and somebody who I knew who was a freshman at the time when I was a senior came through the line and he stops me and he's like, Samuel, there is revival happening at our school and I'm just like what are you serious?" And he's like, yes, people are just coming to know Jesus and I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know a single guy in my school that was a Christian besides me when I went to high school. Like all those other people I got with, it was all me and um, a bunch of other ladies. And there was just something radically happening at my school that the Lord just impressed my heart. That He's like, Samuel, see, this is my love. This is my love that you get to be a part of. And so I'm still learning. I'm still trying to understand but I just know that if I would have just kept my love to myself, this relationship with Jesus, man, I would have missed out. And you know what? A lot of other people would have missed out too. And I think that this is the way that Jesus has kind of orchestrated it. So I'm going to kind of bring us into maybe more of a place of landing. I'm not going to say conclusion because preachers always lie, and I don't want to lie. So we're going to go back to Luke 10. Luke 10. And we're going to finish the story off. We're going to see what's happening. I think this might have died. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. So it says, this is awesome. Let's, let's just, let's focus in, let's narrow in on this real quick. He says, but he, that's the lawyer, desiring to justify himself. He was like, man, Jesus kind of got me. I didn't get to trick him. I didn't get to trap him. He says to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story, of course. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, and they beat him, and they departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, When he had come to that same place, he saw him beaten, half dead on the side of the road and passed by on the other side. If there was ever two people in an ancient Jewish culture that should understand God's love, it would be a priest and it would be a Levite. Both of these individuals, that kind of occupation, they would be the people who would be in charge of God's temple, his sanctuary, where his very presence was said to reside. So if anyone should have known this part of loving God internally and then also externally loving your neighbors, as the lawyer before had said, he knew it. It was in his mind. If anyone should have known and even acted on it, it would have been these two people. And yet they don't. They walk by. I can only imagine, text doesn't say, but if I was there, I could, almost think, I could almost hear them saying, oh, I gotta get back to Jerusalem. I gotta get back to the temple so I can be with God. And sometimes we do that. We're so busy, can't wait to get to youth group, can't wait to get to summer camp to experience God. And we pass people on the side that desperately need the love of God. But the story doesn't stop there, driving the message home. It says, But a Samaritan, and a Samaritan was somebody who would be seen as someone, if there's anyone who would not understand the love of God, if there's anyone who would not have any sort of morals or any sort of compass, it would kind of like to a Jewish audience, man, it would be a Samaritan. Pastor Isaac can unpack that for you guys more later. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where this man was, who was beaten up on the side of Rome. And he saw him, and he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, A denarii would be a day's wage, so two two days' wages. And he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. That is radical authentic love. That is radical authentic love. Christ responds in the next verses. And he says back to the lawyer, which of these three, the Levite, the priest, or the Samaritan, do you think would prove to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said back to him, couldn't even mention the word Samaritan. And he says, the one who showed him mercy. And I love this, what Jesus says. If you could write it down anything or highlight anything in your Bible, man, just do this right now. And Jesus said to him, you go. And do likewise. That's powerful. I'll say it this way. You cannot authentically love others if you do not understand that Christ so loves you. Because you see the story, yes, it's about Jesus showing what it means to love to this lawyer, but there's another side to it. The story isn't just about that I I just firmly believe that it's almost a story of salvation of the journey that we all go on and that if you want to be and go and do likewise you cannot authentically do that from a place of just like like let me put it this way at the beginning I said some of us might be in the internal camp some of us might get that really good well there's some of us in here who honestly we get the external more Were we, oh, serving? Yeah, I'm the first one there. But my question to you is, do you understand God's love for you? Do you understand why we serve? Do you understand why you go and you help people? See, it's two-sided. You can't have one without the other. They build and they reflect and they go upon another. And so, getting back to what I was saying, I really feel like, this story of the Good Samaritan is a story of salvation because at some point in time, I just man, I believe this, is that all of us are like that man being up on the side of the road. Isn't that the story of salvation? That we were left for dead by this world. Dead in our sins, dead in our anxiety, dead in our depression, dead in our sadness, dead in our hopelessness. On the side of the road, and all the people we thought would save us didn't. And yet, here comes a man. Here comes Christ, who he picks us up, he bandages our wounds. He brings us to a place um, that we can be restored, that we can be healed, that we can be made new again. All of us are like the man being up on the side of the road. And it's Christ who came to rescue us and who paid our debt. True, authentic love is this. It's to know who has paid our debt. Authentic love is this, is to know God. To know and understand who he is, what he has done for you, how he has come in that relationship. These things never, it's not, I would say this, you never get to a point where you're done learning this. But both of these are, are the journey of understanding God's love. It's two sided. To know who has paid our debt and then to go and to do likewise. Truly and honestly, I believe that this is what John is saying to this lady. He's saying, walk in love. And he's not just saying to, go and love, but he's trying to remind her or the congregation or the church that when you love, it's not just this with God, but it's loving other people. It's seeking to know, to find them. Does that make sense, guys? Does that make sense? Well, let's go ahead. I I know that at the end of a lot of this time, um, I have another slide up here. We don't have to put it up yet. But I know we, we spend some time just reflecting on what has been spoken and just on the Word of God. So if you just want to go ahead now, spread out as you usually do. Find your spot. I'll give you guys time for pause. You can stay in your seat or you can find some place. Just get alone because we're going to take this serious because the worst thing you can do is to hear a message like this and then just to leave. And so I have homework for you guys. Ha-ha, you thought you were out of school. No, nope, here we go. All right, you can go, ahead, go to that next slide. As a young adult community, I'm also I'm very involved with the barn, with the young adult community here. And as a community, we have decided these are the three things that we're going to focus on as a community. And I just felt like, man, it's so appropriate to end this talk about loving other people with the same three things. So I challenge you right now, and this is what, as we listen to worship music here in a minute, what I really want us to key in on and focus on. These are your three homework points, and we're gonna talk about this in your campfire groups also. But the first one says, begin praying for people. If, you, if you're like me, and you find it really hard to love people, you find it really hard to want to be around them, or to even share with them, man, the greatest thing you can do is start praying for them. That's my story. I began praying for my school. I began praying for the people that I did not like. And God radically changed my heart. And he can radically change your heart too. The second point is just be a friend. I love it in the, in the story of the good Samaritan. The Samaritan doesn't go down to the, to the person who's like, hey, what's your theological belief? So that I may help you. Oh, we disagree? Okay, bye. <laughs> No, he doesn't do that. He's just a friend. And so don't get so caught up, I would say, in feeling like, oh, I have to always have the right answers or I always have to do something. But it means so much to people to just have someone there to play games with them, to talk about school, to talk about life, to just be a friend. That person that you're praying for, number one, well, here's a a really good step to begin entering and putting yourself in their life. It's just to be their friend. No strings attached. Their friend, whether or not they ever come to this youth group or not, you are their friend. The third point is welcome people into your life. That's powerful. That is powerful. To say, hey, come into my life, be a part of my life, and I want to be a part of your life too. This is authentic love, guys. To take your love of God... And to put it into action for other people. And so I'm going to pray here in a second. And then we're just going to begin to think about this. I want you to think about who is somebody I could start praying for. Who is someone who I could pray for now. And um, then be a friend to. And etc. You can go down the list if you'd like. Um, I thought I had a thought and then I lost it. That's Okay. I can come back to it if I need to, but all right, let's just, let's go ahead. So I'm going to pray. So Father, we, uh, we seek you right now. Father, we just want to know you. We want to know who you are, God. Some of us in here have yet to experience and to know your love. Some of us in here have yet to have an encounter with your spirit and with your goodness, God, that it's transformed and changed our lives. And there are people in here who are seeking that. Lord, I pray right now that you'd answer that. That you would bring that to them. God, there's other people in here who just don't understand what it is to love people. God, I pray right now that as they think about it, as they turn their hearts towards you, Lord, that you would show them that, man, that is who you are, God. You love people so much that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, I remembered what I was going to say, so I'm going to look up a verse. In Ephesians 2, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. It goes on to say, But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were on the side of the road, even when we were broken, when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and you have been raised up with him and seated with, seated with him in the heavenly places. Christ Jesus. So, Father, yeah, we just pray that, God, we recognize, Lord, what you have done and what you're continuing to do. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. God, we say, man, this is too important not to get. So we tune our hearts to that tonight, right now. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit ET Church Dot.